Death Before Booze may discuss controversial or sensitive topics and is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. death before booze before i forget again i'm sam i'm jen and we have some very important business to take care of right off the top we have a patreon person patreon it's like we really are doing something so thank you here's your shout out christopher downing my brother-in-law and my technical brother-in-law i suppose yeah, it's kind of your brother-in-law, yeah, too. <laughs> That's how we're connected, honestly, because yeah. Chris is Jen's husband, Dave's best friend. Yeah. And that's how we met in Christopher's mm-hmm. basement many years ago. Seven years ago? Eight years ago? Oh, my god, Something like that. Yep. I know. And, <laughs> and together here we are now. <laughs> here yep. we are. Well, thank you, Christopher. Thanks, and all you other listeners, Christopher is now getting his shout-out. He yes. gets patreon content that other people who don't have patreon don't get including the amazing bloopers that we just freaking took (laughs) yep bloopers oh you're missing out so make sure you sign up for patreon we have a book club coming up we're gonna tell some spooky stories of like things that actually happened to us jen knows somebody who's a ghost hunter we're gonna talk to them on there at some point Yup, so make sure you sign up so you don't miss out on all that extra stuff. Okay, thanks. Bye. Today is episode four, and, and it is Ken's pick. What is it? Oh, yeah, it's Kenny's pick. He wanted us to do something with a college, so we are calling this Collegiate Creeps. Yup. Yeah, so anything else fun, new, and exciting? Um, I got my merch. I got my Team Boo shirt. How cute. It really does look good. Right? Like, big Ooh, I like that. I'm not repping us. I'm repping uh, the Sanderson Which sisters Which is totally today. Right. It's spooky and awesome. But it's October. Oh, this is Jerry, my my pumpkin. Yep. I bought him today Jerry's at DJ's. Jerry the pumpkin. He's going to hang out with us. So now we have four members of our podcast. Six if you include your cat. Seven. You have three cats. I do. Sometimes oh. you could see them in the shot in the back. But because it's Kent's pick, did you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Nope, you go first. Alrighty. I go second. I wrote it down on my notes. Okay. You go second. Okay. I go second today. All right. So yeah, gosh. I'm not doing a Team Boo, despite repping Team Boo this week. I am doing a <laughs> true crime. Oh my God, we're both doing true yeah. crime this week. I am going to be telling you the story of Charles Whitman, who is known as Charles. the Texas Tower Sniper. Texas Tower Sniper. I wonder yep. where this took place. I Right? <laughs> no clue. So... Um, so definitely Alaska. So I'm going to give you some background on our little friend Charles. I'm going to call him Charlie. His, that's totally fine. <laughs> Do you think he would enjoy being called Charlie? I mean, I don't. Re- after this, the end of this, I hope he doesn't. That's why I'm going to say. After the end of this, I feel like you don't want to do what makes him happy. So we're just going to. That's why I'm saying yeah. I'm going to call him Charlie. I hope he hates okay. it. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
Charlie's father was raised in an orphanage, so we don't really have good vibes oh. from that. Um, his mother was 17 when the two of them married, um, and there was lots of domestic violence, and he was really abusive to his wife and his kids. Awesome. Dad also demanded near perfection from his family. So he wanted it to look like the perfect family, despite all of the craziness going on inside. So that's also like the Iceman. Yeah, yeah. like that. I got yeah. Iceman vibes. So yeah, I'm getting that. Good job. When Charlie was young, he was smart. He's quiet. He attended church with his family. His father was also a firearms collector. And he taught his sons at a very young age to shoot, clean, and maintain all of their weapons. So this is how okay. Charlie became a really good marksman because he was just, he practiced a lot. So out of high school, he enlisted in the Marine Corps, but he did not tell his father this. And here's why. When he came home one night, he was drunk. His father beat him and then threw him in the pool. So that was the moment that Charlie was like, you know what? I got to get the hell out of here, but I'm not going to tell my dad. I need to get out of my abusive household. Let me go to the Marines. Right. So he didn't tell his father. And it actually wasn't until he was overseas that his father actually found out about him joining the Marine Corps. And he attempted to get him to cancel his enlistment. And the Marines were like, no, that doesn't work. That's not this how way. this works. So um, <laughs> That's not how any of this works, guy. As a Marine, he earned a sharpshooter badge and a Marine Corps expiratory badge which again you must have engaged on landing on foreign territory participated in combat operations against the opposing force and he wasn't actually considered a sniper it was just the sharpshooter badge because it kept it technically a second to expert level of that qualification okay <laughs> cool okay when he came back the marines do this um you can go to college and they pay for it for you so that you're on the scholarship yes so he went to the university of texas of austin but his grades weren't cool. great and even though he started to kind of go back up, the Marines didn't really think that was enough for them to continue with the scholarship. So they pulled him back in to active duty in 1963. You know, I think that's kind of bullshit. You promised to pay for my college. You should pay for my four years of college. But if you're not doing well and you're failing semester, it wasn't enough for them to verify. Oh, yeah, we can keep paying for this because why are we paying for something that's going to fail? You know, I, I get it. But I also, I see what you're saying. While he was in college, some of his friends said he started to make kind of morbid statements like a person could stand on um, an army from the top of the main building, Dark Tower, before anybody got to him, implying someone could stand up there and shoot a whole bunch of people before anybody was going to get to him. Um, so he was just foreshadowing his plan, yeah, basically, so it's, and seeing how people would react. It, so he was sent to Camp Lejeune, um, and then he was promoted to Lance Corporal. But um, he was court-martialed for gambling, possession of for a personal firearm that was not given to him by the army, um, and threatening other Marines. So he was sentenced to 30 days of confinement and 90 days hard labor, and he was, of course, demoted. He was honorably <laughs> discharged in December of 1964. Um, he worked for a few jobs. He enrolled himself into the University of, of Texas of Austin in an engineering program. He okay. met his wife and they got married and they were, they seemed really great together. I have a couple pictures of the two of them when they were happy up on the blog. Oh, I don't like that. When they were happy. Well, when he was, I guess I should say, but oh. there was a moment he did admit to hitting his wife twice, but he was so ashamed of it that he was quote mortally afraid of becoming like my father so he was just like good it bitch was right. you should right. be like, you fuck don't you people. don't hit That's a woman how... don't hit anybody don't hit anybody keep your fucking hands to your fucking self Agreed. asshole 
like, okay, so there there is something not quite right because of all the statements and stuff he made. Um, but <laughs> so we're going to fast forward then to the day, the events right before the days of the shooting. He It was okay. completely normal. It was like nothing stood out. He did write a suicide note prior to everything. So he wasn't oh, planning gosh. to make it out of this, but he's okay. Here's what he said. This is just pieces because I didn't want to take the whole thing. So he said, quote, I do not really understand myself these days. Lately, I have been a victim of many unusual and irrational thoughts. These thoughts constantly reoccur and requires tremendous mental effort to concentrate on useful and progressive tasks. So he knows also enough in himself to go, I'm concerned. He also says later on, and this is not a direct quote, he asked for an autopsy to be done um, because he was wondering if there had been any discernible biological contributions for the reason why he has such intense headaches. Oh, so he's he, he wants his brain to be the one that says like Abby normal on it. Yes, because he's thinking yeah, there's okay. something abnormal. Um, yeah. He mentioned he was having uncertainty because he was going to kill his mom and his wife. And he said specifically there was a reason. He said his mother seemed like she never enjoyed life as much as she was entitled to. Um, so he kind of felt bad, I suppose. So let's kill her. Yeah. Um, don't like um, it. I, don't she like did it divorce his abusive father. But I guess like for whatever reason, it still wasn't enough enjoyment for him to think. I, I don't know. And his wife, he said, was, quote, a fine wife to me as anyone can hope for, but he just wanted to save them embarrassment. I'm going to read from another clip. Quote, I don't want her, his wife, to have to face the embarrassment my actions would surely cause her. I truly do not consider this world worth living in, and I am prepared to die, and I do not want to leave her to suffer alone in it. Similar reasons provoked me to take my mother's life. Oh, I don't mm -hmm. love that. No. Mm -mm. I don't. Um, Do they have kids? I'm sorry. No. Did you already say that? Nope. Did they have kids? Nope. No, just him just and him his, his parents wife. had like three. Yes. Yeah, so it was four kids. Yes. And then it's him. Okay. The crazy thing about his suicide note is that he explains he doesn't care. He's taking his life. He's going to take the life of his wife and his mother because he doesn't want them to, to be embarrassed. But he doesn't mention anything about the events that are going to come later. And that's where the weird thing happens, because this doesn't just end with mom and his wife. Okay. After midnight, August 1st, he went to his mom's apartment and he, Joe, you know, very casually just killed her. He apparently, they suggested that, <coughs> yeah, right. I, it was, sorry, there was no lead up. Hey, mom, great lasagna. To that. But it was suggested he knocked her out before stabbing her in the heart. Um, and then once he did that, <coughs> he put her in bed and covered her. Yeah. I, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. So then he went back home and pretty much did a very similar thing with his wife. He stabbed her five times while she slept. And in his notes, he was basically trying to justify his actions here by saying people might think that this was cruel, but he says, quote, I was only trying to do a quick and thorough job. So it's not like he planned to make them suffer. Like, so it's kind of like the Edgar Allan Poe story, The Telltale Heart, where he's like, well, you think I'm crazy, but look at all the look at all how careful I was with all this. It's kind of the same. That was kind of giving me the same type of vibes. 
you might yeah. think I'm nuts, but look at I did all this. Like I tried. And you're like, but that's still crazy. Doesn't that make you more nuts uh-huh. that you tried so hard to do something that you knew was wrong? I'm so glad you covered all your bases when you killed your family. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. The other thing he mentioned in the suicide note, he instructed yeah. all the places where his the insurance money, the life insurance money should go. Like once Okay. For them. Yes, like because their li- because insurance for, money. I don't think he realized that his wouldn't go through because life insurance doesn't technically go through with taking your own life. And you would know because you sell insurance because you're amazing. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hey, so, listeners, if you need insurance, call Jen. No, if you need investments done, call Jen. I got this. <laughs> if you need help with debt relief and consolidation plans, call Jen. <laughs> I got it. We're not sponsored by Jen. Jen no. just works here. I just work here. But at the same time, <laughs> I'm more well. professional when I'm in that setting than here. So I'm just letting everybody know. She won't say fuck nearly as much. I promise. <laughs> I know. I've been in one of her meetings. <laughs> so it was one of the foundations that he asked for some of the money to go was to a mental health foundation because maybe research can prevent further tragedies of this type. So once again, he's going back to his own mind saying something's wrong with me. And he's looking for the abnormal brain, as you said before. But if he knows there's so much wrong, why is he still doing this? Just stop. Uh Just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Stop. He got on the campus of Texas at Austin. He falsely identified himself as a research assistant in order to get into the facility. And then he went Uh to the 28th floor of the main building clock tower, which I do have on the drive because it is a very beautiful building. And the clock tower is very large. He killed three people on his way up because it is quite a walk. Um, He barricaded the door and then he went out to the observation deck. Then he just open fired with the weapons that he brought for 96 minutes and a complete horror so how did it take an over an hour and a half for people to get well i guess he's up top but like what if you flank him from behind i'm gonna tell you why no i guess you can't okay I'm because sorry. no no because back then there weren't like protocols in place for this got so, it okay he fired below to the mall and this is actually one of the saddest pieces of this which i'm very sorry okay one of the first shots he did he pierced it of the stomach of a pregnant woman <gasps> she didn't die but her baby did no yeah i don't like it. i am sorry no i'm sorry, but, uh, I'm sorry. first uh, first you're getting shot in the stomach yeah which like you know you're uh, ow and then oh the baby i know so i don't like it and the most casualties to occur was in the first 15 to 20 minutes which it makes sense for any type of a mass shooting because that's the the prime time of like panic and like well, it's chaos yeah so nobody knows what's happening so the shooting occurred in the time frame as i mentioned before the rapid response teams were created so basically the communication between law enforcement branches weren't really it was limited and they didn't have a force in mind where it's like, okay, there's a shooting taking place, which kind of makes it almost harder thinking of it nowadays because that's something that we always have in place because it's just protocol. Because well, of all I the mean, crap look at shootings gone. now. Right. Yeah. So 
they probably don't even need to practice. They're like four times a day out the door. Okay, let's right. go. Exactly. Welcome so, to America. So the entire assault leading to our friend Charlie's eventual capture, sort of, wasn't planned. So Got it. three officers and a the university bookstore manager who happened to be carrying because you can open carry. It's Texas. We're going to go with it. But why is he joining the police? Because like, there were civilians there who joined. They were just armed civilians who were like ready to go with the police. Because okay. they just were like more people. And it was like, all right, cool. Well, did any of them have a sniper rifle where they could just shoot up and shoot him? Or did we all like, I, you know, like, let's think about this, people. Well, they did have <laughs> they did have shotguns. But again, I don't think that they'd okay. be able to hit him from the tower. I don't think so either. <laughs> So four of them got to the observation deck. They surrounded Whitman and then they were able for two officers to finally just shoot and kill him because it didn't seem like he was going to stop. The total number of people killed was 14. Someone actually died years later because of injuries that they sustained from that day. Oh, my God. So it's 15. Yeah. Or 15 to 16 um, and 31 wounded. After this whole incident, the tower at that college was closed until 1999. So for 30 years plus, they were like, mm -mm. then eventually they opened it up. But I mean, other than like the clock, what do you really need to go up there for? Like repair people do. I get that. But like, you don't need humans up there. You don't need general public up there. It's the observation deck. You can kind of look down. It's like a nice scenery type of thing. I don't know. Now... The weapons he was found with, again, I had to resort to Dave's expertise on this one, was an M1 carbine, which apparently is made for the World War II era um, with high magazine capacity with a semi-automatic type of vehicle. So lots of bullets, very quick. Yes, that was the plan. He also had a hunting rifle, a sawed-off shotgun. That sucks. Several pistols. Cool. A machete and knives. Mm-hmm. As you do. And dexedrine, which he took very often. Now, dexedrine is a uh, medication for ADHD, and we're going to get to that. Cool. So after the whole incident, they went through his medical history because in his suicide note, he did request an autopsy. But also they were like, cool. we have to figure this out. So yeah, it was said that he went to at least five doctors from fall to winter of 1965. From the just four month time frame, he went to at least six doctors, and no medication was prescribed to him. So cool. they were really sure. He went to the university psychiatrist, who noted of the one time he saw him, he was oozing with hostility, and he admitted to overwhelming periods of hostility. Um, while also making reference to going out on the tower with a deer rifle. So also that psychiatrist was like, this something's not. And did, what what did they like call the police? Did they alert anybody? Hey, you know, this could potentially be a problem. You think they'd be like, yo, somebody needs to watch this guy because he's spouting some real shit that could go really bad. Honestly, the he only went to him one time because Charlie never went back to this psychiatrist and the psychiatrist was like, okay, so basically only saw him like one time. So maybe it should have been a, hey, someone needs to watch this guy and keep a lookout. But also, what are you going to do if he doesn't come back? Like if he's not your patient, you know? Yeah, I guess that was kind of the issue, too. 
Yeah. So they did perform an autopsy. And I'm going to cool. go through the whole thing because there's a little bit of science. So it made me use my psychology degree. So that's wonderful. <gasps> Don't you love when you get to use I your degree? So they found a pecan-sized tumor labeled astrocytoma, oh, no. um, which is a specific kind of star-shaped glial sand, uh, cell in the cerebrum. It doesn't usually spread to the brain or the spinal cord. Also, there was a small amount of necrosis which is a form of cell injury resulting in premature death of cells so it's an issue but the coroner said the tumor was not to influence his behavior it didn't so even though he did have the tumor and that maybe was the cause for his severe headaches it wasn't near the the part of the brain that controls the emotions or actions it may have been pushing against the amygdala, which influences the fight or flight response. So realistically, when you think about his behavior change, this probably didn't cause that. Okay. Got um, it. And then for the dexedrin, it you take it because it's an ADHD medication. And mm-hmm. you take it to, um, to increase attention, decrease impulsiveness and hyperactivity. And if you overdose on it, because he was never diagnosed with ADHD, it causes aggression, anger, confusion. And if this happens, it is suggested to contact a doctor ASAP. But again, we don't know where he got the medication from because he was never prescribed this medication. Oh, shit. And I was just going to ask, I have something called gabapentin. Mm -hmm. I'm on like a daily med and then that is like... A real anxiety attack right. or a panic attack coming on. I take that. Is that kind of what this is? You take it as need if you feel like your brain's like, and then you take this pill and everything calms down. Or is it supposed to be like every day? Or he probably didn't even know. He's probably like, oh, this looks cool. See, if people take Adderall, they have to take it every okay. day. So dexedrine's kind of the same thing. It's just a different type Got it. of medication. Okay. So if you're taking it and you don't have ADHD, there's really no reason for you to be taking it other than the crazy college kids who take it in order to stay up for their exams because it heightens the attention. Oh, it's like cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. But, I'm back on board. But I get it. if you overdose or you take too much of it, and again, you're not supposed to, it can cause all of this aggression, anger and stuff. And that, that could have been it. Yeah. It's just very Glad strange. you have a psych degree. Yeah. Because you understand. I had no clue. I'm like. (laughs) It's just such a weird thing. And it was very weird to me. And it's still kind of a mystery to other people. Because he made it very clear in his suicide note. I am going to take my wife's life and my mom's life. But he never like. This wasn't even a. This was kind of just on the radar. Like this happened. And you're like. Okay. Then when I was talking it through um, with Dave. He's like. Well that's how a lot of spree killers are. They just kind of do it. But why write the suicide note and say, I'm sorry I killed my wife and my mom, but I'm not sorry I killed all these other people. You know, like, it just kind of seemed odd to me. Well, maybe it's like he knew he was going to kill people, but he didn't know how many or who they would be. Like, yes. how do you really reference that? And I know this is a suicide note. We keep calling it a suicide note. Did he write in there that he was going to kill himself? Or was this more of a death by police? Like, See, that also wasn't is that, in there. So, that's not in there. So I, okay. if you read this, like a regular note, it would say, okay, he's going to kill his mom, kill his wife, and then he's going to just take his own life. And, and just the, he wanted to save them the embarrassment of that. Um, but then he putzed around for 96 minutes. Right, exactly. So, like, so was he... Like, what were you doing? So, right, was he planning to do this and then 
death by police or was this a it kind of seems unclear so so there actually is a book joescottco.com and the reference is listed on the website as well they wanted to highlight his wife kathy because kathy was 23 she was a recent graduate of this college and she just finished her first year as a science teacher the whole title of the book is um, Charles Whitman's Wife, An Untold Story. So just to tell more about her, because sometimes a lot when you get into these type of um, cases, we focus a lot on the killer and a lot on the, the tragedy of everything. But you kind of miss what's left behind. And his wife was beautiful. Gorgeous. His mom seemed wonderful. And it's just bad circumstances. So I appreciated that this particular site was like, we want to focus on her. Yeah, so that's the uh, that's the Texas Tower shooting. Ooh. So Ooh, that was heavy. Sorry. This isn't gonna get any lighter, but <laughs> oh, <I'm sorry. laughs> oh gosh. I'm okay. Sorry. Uh <laughs> I'm sorry. Um <laughs> shit. Okay. So this week was a husband pick, as we discussed at the top. So Ken wanted me to discuss Annie Lee. That's where we got the collegiate creeps from. And uh, I'm just gonna jump into this. Sure. I'm just gonna go. I don't know anything no about real, this case, no so I'm excited. Break. Okay. I'm excited. So we're back here in Connecticut. Ooh. I know. We it, we're right back here. We're at Yale. Oh, we're gonna talk about Annie. We're gonna talk the asshole of the case, and then I'm gonna basically go like day by day of what happened. Sure. So this is the the format of how I'm doing this is a little different than what I normally do, but like how my brain works, this is different. So if I start getting nutty, I just ask questions. It's fine. Can do. Okay. So Perfect. <laughs> so Annie Lee was born to Vietnamese immigrants in San Jose, California on July 3rd, 1985. Oh, huh. cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to keep with the happy because it gets very sad very quickly. Um, she was described as a person who lit up a room, which means she's obviously the victim. Uh, she was liked by everyone. Absolutely no enemies was smart, funny, high energy, and a very compassionate woman. Uh, she graduated valedictorian from Union May High um, and was voted most likely to be Einstein in their yearbook. She received, and when I say received scholarship money for college, I'm talking she literally wrote, typed, outreach to whomever was giving out grants or scholarships on the internet and was like give me money she raised for herself 160 grand that's a lot One hundred and sixty thousand dollars in scholarship money that she did herself like not from high school scholarship night like she wrote to this i was like damn she used that for her undergrad in cell development biology with a minor in medical anthropology from the university of rochester in upstate new york whoa that's a lot of smart people. That's stuff. a lot. Good for yeah. her. Science she, is hard. <laughs> Dude, you said psych, and I really think I just went blank over. I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, again, um, science is hard. It's, it's hard. Science is so hard. She was accepted into Yale's graduate program and at 24 was working towards her doctorate in pharmacology, again, from Yale Wonderful. Shit. She was engaged to Jonathan Wood. Dosky. They met at the University of Rochester and their wedding had been set for September 13th, 2009. So on Staten Island. Okay. Um, and finally at Yale, Annie worked in a lab. Anton M. Bennett, PhD. 
Oh, in the lab of, got it, Anton M. Bennett, PhD, studying how, okay, this is a quote because I don't know what this means, studying how fatty acids regulate an enzyme believed to be involved in cellular metabolism. She was trying to find out if this enzyme was linked to metabolic disease. Metabolic disease. Oh, that's interesting. That's like, do you actually know what that means? It's something with the cell and like the the metabolism of the cell. What was the the mitochondria? Maybe something with the mitochondria powerhouse. They were the the powerhouse. The only thing I remember. (laughs) The powerhouse. Okay, so that's Annie. We love her. She's adorable. There are pictures of her and her uh, fiance on the drive, and then we're gonna get to this asshole, Raymond John Clark the third. Not all people with the third. Are bad people I agree. like my husband's a third my brother however third. this this guy we fucking hate him we hate, hate him. him we hate him <laughs> so he was born january 28th 1985 Ugh, he cares? grew up in branford he grew up in branford no. connecticut which is where my husband's from yep uh he was a lab animal technician kind of like a custodian at yale in the building that annie worked in he did not go to Yale. He didn't go. There. He wasn't going there. He worked there. Okay. Don't like him. I hate him. He was engaged to a lovely girl, Jennifer Hermodka, and he was most known around campus for getting angry at students who he deemed left the labs untidy Ugh. after they finished their experiments. I hate him. Hate him. He actually emailed Annie about leaving mice cages too dirty for him. Fuck you. Fuck. Do your job. Isn't that his job? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what part of his job. Oh, sorry it's you had too to work. Dirty. Like, what the? Yeah. What? Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I- I've worked in that section, like, of science and medical. I used to work um, in x-ray radiation, so we used to work with a lot of labs that worked with animal specimens. They have so many rules and regulations. Like, those animals live better than most humans. So... <laughs> Sorry, there was like three pieces of poop, you piece of shit. Okay, because I fucking hate this guy. All right, so we're going to start. We're going to go back Tuesday, September 8th, 2009. So that's five days before Annie's getting married. All right? Okay. So Tuesday, September 28th, five days before. So Annie left her apartment. Um, She took Yale transportation to the Sterling Hall on the Yale campus. Um, that's where her office was. Around 10 a.m., she decided she's going to go over to the research lab at Amistad Street. Uh, she left all of her shit in her office at the Sterling building. So, like, she didn't have her, work, her purse, her wallet, her ID. The only thing she had on her was her lanyard to get in and out of the buildings because everybody needed a lanyard, like, you know, to tap in and out. Right. So, and all these, just so everybody is keeping up with me, they do track who goes in and out of buildings there's a shit ton of cameras on Yale. I don't know who's been to Yale or around the Yale campus. You know, there are phones everywhere with blue lights in case you need to get in touch with police. Like, every corner, every so many feet. There are just a million cameras all over, and I'm going to reference that a little bit more. But video surveillance shows Annie not only walking to 10 Amstad, but also entering the building. There are 75 cameras in this one building alone. Okay. Holy crap. Um, around 9 p. Right? <laughs> like, you should be able to follow people taking a shit I mean, in this yeah. building. Yeah. So around 9 p.m. that night, one of her five roommates called police and reported Annie missing. So she was a very punctual person. She was a creature of habit. You know, just routine, routine, routine. And when she wasn't home by 9, nobody had heard from her. They're like, yo, something's up. So police automatically went to campus and reviewed 
they shut down the building and reviewed the tapes and they're like, all right, we don't see her leaving. Like she did not leave the building. So some police went to campus. They shut down the building. They started searching the building. And then they also automatically right off the top sent police to the Hartford dump in case her body had already let, exited because garbage had been picked oh, up. Oh, no. I don't like that. Yeah. So they automatically went into full on, we need to find her. And I'm actually impressed that they were like, yeah, send people to the dump. You know, they weren't just like, that is mm, true. whatever. That is true. Right? Okay. Because of the security measures in the building, Yale insisted that it would be very hard for anyone without a Yale ID tag to be going in and out of the building or anywhere in the building. So they knew, okay, it has to be somebody from Yale. So they dramatically closed down their suspect pool. They started focusing on anybody with a Yale ID tag. And um, within hours, the FBI and the CT state police were also involved. So you have New Haven police, you have Yale police, because Yale has their own little thing of police. Now you have the FBI and the state police involved too. So they got everybody on this. What did the camera show? So the cameras in the building caught movements of both Annie and that asshole Clark, um, including Clark going back and forth between two rooms, one room, whatever, and the other room where Annie was in. He went back and forth between 1040 and 345, 55 times, five, five times. So from 1040 to 345, what is that? 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, five hours, 10 times an hour. 11 times an hour, this motherfucker is going into the room looking at her. Like, what are you doing? What's up? What's this? Yeah. So weird. Sorry. They see Clark at some point with scratches magically on his face. They see him wearing a lab coat and they see him bringing in and out cleaning supplies from the room. (laughs) Okay. And then when Clark left the building that day on video, they have him in a completely different outfit than when he walked in. Of course they do. Of course they do. Wednesday, September 11th, 2009. We are four days from our wedding. Um, Rachel Roth, she was a fellow student from Yale who knew Annie, was, you know, went to the lab room and saw a box of rubber gloves that had blood spatter on them. So she automatically ran, because there are cops everywhere. Right. You think they would have shut, like, shut down, down the building? But I'm going to go with because it's an animal specimen building. Like, some people have to be in there to take care of the animals and make sure everything in the buildings so, though like you can't just shut it down and let all the animals die so right, i'm assuming true. some of these people coming in and out are taking care of well that's the other thing with a lot of these specimens like they have so many days to like do their exactly so that's stuff probably on these animals so yeah if they have a three-day study on a specific tumor they only have those three days and then they have to you know terminate the animals because you, you can't let the animals suffer with whatever Agreed. they gave them. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. So all of this is very time sensitive. Absolutely. So Rachel's there. She sees this box of wipes. It has blood spots on a push cart in the lab, lab G13. And she runs down to the police and is like the university cop. Her name was Sabrina Wood ran to her and was like, Hey, shit's up. Shit's going on up here. Can you come up and look? So Officer Wood and Sergeant Jay Jones go to the room and guess who's there? <laughs> the guy we hate. This motherfucker. <laughs> this motherfucker's there. Um, Raymond Clark III is in there cleaning the drain in the room with steel wood. Steel wool. Steel wood. What the fuck is that? Steel wool. Um, they spot the box and you know, kind of saw it out of the corner of their eye, but they're like, what is this guy doing cleaning? Like, that's suspicious. 
And then at some point he got up and turned the box so they couldn't see. And he thought he was like being all nonchalant about it. It's on a fucking camera. Like we know what you did. We watched you do it. They watched him do it. And then we watched the replay on the camera. Just saying. Yeah, he thought they couldn't see. You ain't smooth, bitch. You ain't smooth. So the cops start making uh, small talk with Clark, trying to figure out what's up. And they call him out on, hey, what's that scratch? What you got? He goes, oh, my cat scratched It's always the yeah, cat. Okay. You know what? No, it's not always the cat. Bitch, your cat doesn't even fucking like you, okay? <laughs> Nobody, Nobody likes you. Nobody likes you. <laughs> the police automatically suspect Clark. He was the only one working in the lab that day when she was there. And, you know, they saw him going in and out of the room 55 fucking times. Hate him. Okay, Thursday, September 10th, 2009, three days till the wedding. The FBI has collected a complete list of, well, not a complete list, but a list of evidence, including the box of wipes. They found an extra large lab coat with blood stains on it in a recycling bin. Um, investigators also went to Annie's apartment to collect something that possibly would have her DNA so she they could start checking, like, blood samples and DNA samples on everything. Unfortunately, her DNA matched for the blood that was found on the box of gloves and the extra large lab coat. Clark, dickhead, reported seeing Annie leave Yale Animal Research Center carrying two bags of mouse food and a notebook about 15 minutes before he did. Before he left. Mm -hmm. Of course he did. Mm -hmm. Fucking hate him. Investigator really appreciated how invested Mr. Clark was in helping the police figure all this out. He was very invested, wanted to help them find Annie. They always are. Loved giving them information. They always are. Um, so they figured that he would absolutely love to give them, you know, a mouth swab, fingerprints, body hair, fingernail clippings. And just in case he wasn't exactly going to oblige, they went and got a warrant. Smart. Smart. Fucking hate this guy. They also conducted a polygraph, which first off, never do a polygraph. No. Call a lawyer. Even if you are, like, so innocent, you can definitely be guilty. I mean, this guy failed miserably. He fucking, because he's a horrible trash human. But um, just, you know, heaven forbid you ever get arrested. Don't do a polygraph. They're not really in common for court anyway because they're not they're not accurate. So you can't you can't admit they're not admissible. Exactly. So that's I don't the know word I was they do it anyway. Admissible. <laughs> Look, I knew that one. OK, so now we're at Saturday, September 12th. 2009 police discovered evidence in a hallway drop ceiling outside of the lab i don't know why this wasn't on a camera though like you think you would have seen him putting it there a rubber glove with blood stains a sock a pair of work boots covered in blood that were labeled ray c on them she just said dickhead blue hospital scrub like shirt clark was seen wearing in the surveillance tapes and then finally we come to September 13th, our wedding day. Sunday, September 13th, 2009. (sighs) What should have been her wedding day, police begin to smell a sickly sweet smell of decay coming from the basement. They call in the cadaver dogs, and at approximately 5 p.m., a female body was found stashed in a mechanical chase in the basement of the Amistad building. Girl. Cause of death was strangulation, and she also had bruises on the back of her head. The body was wearing surgical gloves, and I'm really sorry about this. Had her underwear pulled around her ankles. Oh. Oh, I'm kidding. They could tell that the female pulled out had a broken jaw and collarbone. Uh, the wall had a good deal of blood in it. She, you know, she's been in there for a couple days. 
there was also fresh insulation that looked like it had been pushed like on top of her to try and conceal her. Like he tried to hide her in between. Like okay, so a mechan- just really quick because I really didn't know what this is. A mechanical what did I call it? Shoot thing. Where'd it go? Mechanical chase. Okay, so it's basically like a big box in the wall. Like kind of picture how it looked like there. You know, in your basement when you have to change a fuse or like yeah. hit the breaker. So picture like that kind of door, like big like that in the wall. And basically it's supposed to be like a hole. So that way if like repair people or like you need to fix the building, like they can get to it. So like, I don't actually know what was in this box, but like, let's say the water was fucked in the building. They would have a hole like this with a little door that you could open so you could shut the water off without it having to be like up in the ceiling, like in your basement where we okay. can reach it. Got it. But because these are industrial buildings, like it's harder. That was probably a much longer explanation, but I'm going to tell you, like I'm dumb and I have no idea what that no, was. No, that's like, I, I can picture it. So I get it. Yeah. That's helpful. So she was shoved in there. I'm kind of shocked she didn't, well, they were in the basement, so she didn't, like, fall too far. But, like, imagine if he did it, like, on that floor and it fell all the way to the basement. Maybe he did. I don't know. So he put the fresh insulation on her, trying to, like, conceal the body. And then they also found another bloodstained lab coat, the matching sock to the one in the drop ceiling, and a green pen. Like, a green inked pen. (sighs) Okay. So, Tuesday, September 15th, 2009, police get a warrant to search the asshole uh, Wharfside Commons apartment in Middletown. Uh, so they could get DNA samples for him. The DNA matched a sperm sample found on the wall of the basement and on Annie's panty liner. Bitch was just spraying all over the place. Sp- sending his kids out into the Disgusting. world. Fuck this. Vile fucking human. Vile fucking human. So now we're at Thursday, September 17th. Raymond Clark III, dickhead, was arrested at a Super 8 motel in Cromwell. Cromwell, isn't that where Dudley Town was? Yes. It's near Dudley it. Town? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Motherfucker ran to Dudley Town, asshole. <laughs> um, he was charged with murder and remanded to McDougal Walker Correctional Facility in Suffield until his trial. Did I say that right? Suffield? Suffield. Yeah, I think it. Fuck yeah, Suffield. Yeah. Huh. Yep. So January 26, 2010. So now he's been sitting in jail for a hot second. Good. Good good um yep hate him he initially uh, pled not guilty liar Uh, but later changed it to guilty for a shorter term in prison of course so now march 17th 2011 this is like everything's done uh clark pled guilty to the murder of annie lee and he was found guilty of attempted sexual assault Mm -hmm. his plea deal for murder was to serve 44 years in prison he was sentenced to an additional 20 years for the sexual assault to be served concurrently with the murder plea, which first off, I think that's bullshit. I think he should have, you know, 64 years or more or more, probably more. Um, he was sentenced under an Alfred doctrine or an Alfred plea. So basically, yes. you know what that means? Yeah. So just for listeners who don't. Basically, what that means is he's saying, you know, I didn't do it, but I know it looks bad for me. Like, you guys have evidence that makes it look like I did it, and I really don't want to fight it. But I don't think I'm guilty, so I'm going to plead not guilty, and, you know, you still get to sentence me for whatever this is, because we know you fucking did it, because you're a dick. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't actually know. It's all alleged for that. Okay. Yeah. He is scheduled to be released September 16th of 2053. Okay. He will be 68 years old. So 
He can still do shit. Like, you're 68. Like, and there's no reason. There's no reason. But okay, at one point he yelled at Annie for, like, having messy mice cages or whatever. But there is no fucking reason for why he killed her. You know, except probably the sexual assault because he's a grimy fucking human that she didn't want to be with. <sighs> fucking horrible. I'm sorry. Clark said at his um, sentencing hearing, I alone am responsible for the death of Annie Lee and causing tremendous pain to all who loved and cared about Annie. He's currently serving his time at Cheshire Correctional Institution in New Haven, Connecticut. Hmm. And that is the story of the beautiful, smart, trying to change the world, Annie Lee. Poor girl. And that horrible motherfucker who I will not say his name again because I don't like him. I always kind of wonder, like, when it comes to murder cases how they determine the years because you're right i think that 44 years is not enough for somebody's life i think that you know but yeah. i don't know what what they put because you figure you know? she's 24 right she was 24 when this happened if you add those 44 years she's 68 so he's getting out when when like, she can have grandchildren nobody lives to 68 people live to 80 90 now yeah. like she can have grandchildren yeah. she can have all this you know like she could have had she was supposed to get married i know like, she was getting married. I couldn't. Oh, my God. My heart. My heart. That but then there girl. are some other cases, again, where it's like life in prison. And you're kind of just like, how do you justify that as life? But this isn't. I, it's state to state. And maybe that's the issue. Like, I don't know. I don't know enough about maybe. the court system. That could be. So yeah. direct me. We just act like we're experts. Yeah, we listeners, don't direct me to the court system where I could figure this shit out. Because I really need to know. <laughs> Is there, like, an Excel spreadsheet where it says, okay, if you fucked up this bad, you go away for this many years? You know, like, the yeah. crazy eye hot, crazy hot scale? Like, yeah. you fuck up, this is where you I don't go. think so but like there is like the differences between again like first degree second degree stuff because I looked that up but it doesn't say well if that. you commit first degree this is what you get it's not you no know, it doesn't say that's the guarantee yeah I wonder if that's like up to the judge the judge is like yeah I like even numbers so 44 like why not even right. 45 or 40 why 44 but also how do you justify I think it should be a billion. how do you justify 44 years for someone's life who was basically just starting she was gonna have a family literally did nothing literally did and nothing. for him to I be can't. like i didn't there, there's no motive like what the fuck like what's wrong with you yeah he never said something happened like this is why i killed her like asshole. nothing we have no answer what a dick what a fucking asshole. well thanks for coming to episode Jesus number Christ. four uh, that was a downer sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well yeah we both did team death this week um hopefully next week next week Next week's Next Halloween. Week Halloween. Halloween. This Halloween. is Halloween. This is Halloween. Dun, 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 Halloween. Dun, 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 dun. Halloween. <laughs> 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 oh my God! Where is my talent agent? Come find me. <laughs> All right. So thank you for listening. Please follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. Yes, we have a Pinterest. Um, It's at Death Before Booze Podcast. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about us because we want to grow. If you can't find us on your preferred podcast platform, let us know. We will try and rectify that. Make sure you visit our website. You can find our merch page and our Patreon like Chris Downing who gets all the extra content. Woo! And finally, send us your creepy, crazy stories for us to read on the air. We're going to start getting that together. I know I keep saying that, but I promise by hopefully November, we will have that going for you. And yeah, did I get everything? You got everything. It's exciting. All right. Come back again. All right. Stay spooky.